It's Wednesday, December 8th, 2021, and it's the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the NFL Week 14. We're going to preview that because it's playoffs or bust. It's true. Delicious. Indeed. Not apple juice. It's not... What else looks like that? I don't know. (laughs) It's not bourbon. I accidentally played the uh, outro music at the beginning of the show. We're broadcasting from Australia, coincidentally. Upside down. All right. So it is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason Evans, as always. And joining me is David Biggs. David, uh, what are you drinking over there, buddy? Is it apple juice? It kind of looks like apple juice. I'm glad you're always the same person because uh, there are people in this world that are affected by uh, by lots of mental disorders. And, and we're actually going to take this time to spend the next hour and 15 minutes to hour and 23 minutes okay. to uh, to talk about uh, mental illness. I I'm glad that we prepared a show for that. Yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and this is definitely scotch and not apple juice. All right. And we're also drinking, courtesy of our good friend Glenn, who provided us with some aged beers when we saw him last month, uh, a Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. It is a very dark beer brewed with a ridiculous amount of barley. And it's quite delicious. Yeah, so thank you, Glenn. And I believe it was aged in his cellar. And a uh, happy marriage uh, to you and to Laura. Uh, yes. Cheers in, to the newlyweds. Out in the land of uh, land of the land of Coca Cola, land of the Bulldogs. Yeah, and the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Although you know, Bulldogs took a hit last week. Land of the cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> the really fucking big cockroaches. No, they're called they're called palmettos, right? That's what I've learned. Oh, so they just gave them a name, you know, that isn't quite as, like, terrifying? Well, no, because if something comes from the Paleolithic era, it actually has a different name, the dinosaur name. Oh, okay. So I believe the palmettos are the dinosaur version of cockroaches? Yeah. Anyway, we we, <laughs> we, we had a blast celebrating with you, and we appreciate uh, the, um, what we call it, an offering to the fantasy finish line. A gift, if you will. Yeah. A tribute. For all the years of fantasy advice that's gotten him to basically nowhere. This, well, that's not up to us. That's uh, you know we can provide all the information, but after it's provided, what, we can't what, set your lineup for you. No, I mean you can ask us to. Well, if you're a commissioner, you can. I can set all of his lineups. <laughs> Are you the commissioner in every single one of? No, his no, no. I'm in a league with him where I'm not the commissioner. Mercifully, this show is about Glenn, and then the other half is about mental illness. And the the mental illness we're going to examine tonight is the decision of why someone would want to be the commissioner of all their fantasy leagues. Mm. Well, that does sound like a good podcast. It is a mental illness as well. But uh, but yeah, let's let's go into the uh, the NFL and what's going on. But first, if you are watching on YouTube right now, we would love for you to go ahead and subscribe to the show, subscribe to the channel uh, on Drink Five. If we get up to a hundred, like the show, Dave, you subscribe to the channel. Get it, get it straight. Come on. We, we just started doing this uh, this year on video on YouTube, and when we get to 100 subscribers, then uh, we'll be able to uh, create a vanity URL uh, and many other things that, uh, that YouTube allows you at that point. So I uh, would appreciate the support, and, uh, and thank you guys for listening and, and girls out there on, uh, on our podcast channels. But uh, if you dare to see what we look like and uh, what we're drinking and 
Um, you know what, what our, stickers I have on my computer. What our body language? Uh, <laughs> uh, How many Steelers swag things Dave has on the wall? Yeah, the three is the four is the answer. Four is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> then you can you can watch us live on YouTube or after the fact by uh, searching for Drink Five. We all should hide word. something in the in the picture every week. No, that's too much work for me. I mean, you know, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Uh, but drink5.com is the website where you can find all of the various materials that we put out there and our contributors put out there from week to week and sometimes day to day. And uh, go check it out. And we'll see a lot of you next year as we're doing drafts uh, for the 2022 season. Yeah, good times. So five-minute intro. I'm taking the over on that hour and 15 minutes. Anyways, we will go around the NFL, talk about a little bit of news, and then later on we're going to talk about some player trends, and then um, talk about what uh, you kind of want to stash uh, going into the playoffs. I feel like you're struggling with this this category. Is I, it because you don't do any stashing? I I stash like the, exactly what you do, what you <laughs> wrote about, I do. Okay. I do do that. And we'll get to that later. Do-do. Do-do. So, speaking of do-do... Taysom Hill, who's a doo-doo quarterback, but amazing in fantasy football. He is absolutely not. You just must not have him anywhere. I do. I do. <laughs> doo-doo. I do-do have him. I have him in two leagues <laughs> where I'm going to hopefully make the playoffs. Well, we find, Actually, I have qualified for the playoffs in both. We find that some of the quarterbacks that, that people don't register as solid NFL quarterbacks are often some of the best fantasy quarterbacks. Right, and that's all I care about right now. But, but Sean Payton and the... Uh, uh, and the Saints have have collectively decided to invest up to ninety something million dollars in this particular guy. They must so. be in a really expensive fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> so, Taysom Hill is back as a starter for the Saints, um, and it doesn't apparently matter if he'll throw four interceptions like he was last week. He finished as a QB four last week, so he's locked in as a top ten quarterback. Alvin Kamara is going to be back as well. Both of them should do very well because they're playing the Jets, who are giving up the most points to opposing running backs. And Taysom Hill is just a running back disguised as a quarterback. So the Jets are giving up an average of 32 points per week to opposing running backs. And between Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, I predict they score at least 40 points. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty that's pretty easy. That's pretty conservative. Yeah, yeah. And if you and if you have those guys, who one who's been out for several weeks and, and one who's been out for the majority of the season – then uh, bully for you, because this is quite the matchup. Yeah, it's nice to have them back, for sure. Um, But yeah, so I I actually have a lineup question uh, for that. And it doesn't matter, I suppose, in the long run, but I'm going to be starting uh, Taysom Hill over Matthew Stafford this week. Stafford's going to be playing Arizona, which is a very tough defense to pass against. Um, So do you think that that's a good move? Yeah, whenever you have quarterbacks like this, uh, I would suggest starting them every time. Now, there's there's the possibility he gets injured, you know, mid-run, or or he does so poorly that they have to put back in some kind of a backup quarterback. Uh, but probably, you know, you're looking at 70-80% chance, uh, in my opinion, of him scoring 20-plus fantasy points. And just like you said, Matt Stafford is probably more of like a 15-20 to 20 this week. Yeah. So the odds are with you uh, winning out on the Taysom Hill start. I wish I would have realized it last week to start Hill over Josh Allen. Uh, but well, I, I didn't realize that the weather would be so bad in Buffalo until Friday. We didn't all have the forecast ahead of time. Yeah, I got to <laughs> I gotta be on that. It's a good idea. It's December now. Pay attention to the weather. It's sometimes overrated, but sometimes it's not when it's fucking 50-mile-an-hour winds and... 
super cold in Buffalo. The weather will fuck you up. Yes. So Keenan Allen is on the COVID list. Mike Williams is on the COVID list because he was a close contact with Keenan Allen. I believe Keenan Allen tested positive. Mike Williams um, at the moment is just a close contact. Um, but that, you know, that news is always, I'm not ever sure, like, um, if they're always, if the reporters are always privy to all of the information or not. So I'm always hesitant to repeat it, but that's what I've, uh, heard today. Yeah. The only real news here, uh, is that, uh, I think there was a press conference and the coach was coming out to talk about it. And, uh, according to earlier reports, Mike Williams is unvaccinated where Keenan Allen is vaccinated. And I don't uh, want to offer any commentary about any of this except to say that an unvaccinated player that had a close contact uh, is out for five days. I think all players should get vaccinated because then they will be out for less time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I, that is not the only reason why. <laughs> wonderful. But regardless of that, the important information here is that uh, because he is unvaccinated, allegedly, it hasn't come out of his mouth, but uh, he's out for five days no matter what if he's a close contact. But that actually goes back to Monday, meaning that he still can play, but he can't practice throughout the week. If he does test positive in one of the days going forward where surely he'll be tested, then he'll be out for this week and also definitely next week because it's an early Thursday game. Yeah, yeah. So um, at the moment, both of them have a chance to play this week. Right, correct. Uh, but if they don't play, you've got Josh Palmer, you've got Jalen Guyton, uh, who would be the main pass catchers for Herbert. There's also Jared Cook at tight end. So, you know, there's lots of guys on the waiver wire that you should stash right now in case Keenan Allen and Mike Williams don't go. Maybe you have those two guys, so you definitely would want somebody stashed or just block other people because at this point in the year, you don't necessarily need to hold on to your super deep bench. If you have players on your bench like Antonio Brown or people who are going to be out for another week or two, you can drop them even if they're good players. Yeah. And, if and you're not going to use them, then, you know, find somebody on your bench that's going to help you either start with you or block other people. Right. And if you if you are planning on playing uh, people on the Chargers and Allen and Williams don't play, uh, then, like he mentioned, there are there are other pass catchers out there, most notably uh, Josh Palmer, the rookie this year, and Jalen Guyton. Uh, and both could have good games because Herbert is a quality quarterback. But it is really hard to just stash those guys now, considering that both of their starters, Williams and Allen, could still play feasibly um, this weekend. And then you've gone ahead and, and made moves and uh, um, you know sacrificed some flexibility on your team. It's true. I mean, it's kind of a desperation move, but in week 14, you know, sometimes it's win or go home. So, you, you know, you go for those desperation moves, in my opinion. Uh, Debo Samuel could return for week 14 if he practices. Keep an eye on that for Thursday, Friday practice. That's usually going to be the indicator that you need to look for. If players practice on Thursday and Friday, then they have a good shot at playing mm -hmm. uh, after they've been injured. So he did not practice Tuesday. He did not practice Wednesday, he's got that groin injury from a couple of weeks ago. So keep an eye on that because he is such a huge impact player. You know, he could definitely turn things around for you. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to be back, apparently. He's been named the starter for Week 14. Despite the fact that Minshew Mania was amazing, um, you know, he dressed up like a freaking Top Gun guy. Top Gun guy. I've never seen the movie. How have you never seen Top Gun? I don't know. I've never seen plenty of movies, Dave. Top Gun among them. Make a list. I 
I I did make a list of lots of movies I didn't see, and I watched most of them. Top Gun didn't make the list that time. Top Gun is an amazing action adventure for the ages. Okay. Well, I just learned yesterday that Tony Scott and Ridley Scott were brothers. Okay. The Tony Scott who directed Top Gun. So maybe I'll go through their movies. Or Tony's movies, anyways. Because <laughs> I've seen most of Ridley's movies. Anyways, this isn't a movies podcast. This isn't a mental health podcast. That's right. It is a... Let's stick to the it subject. It is a Gardner Minshew podcast, however. It is not. <laughs> Minshew Mania is a mental health disorder. Uh, Minshew Mania is mental bliss. But, I mean, he was playing a team that barely has any secondary whatsoever. So the fact that he was able to pick them apart, not, not very surprising. Correct. He went 20 for 25, which is very good. But I don't necessarily think that it's going to earn him a starting job anywhere necessarily. But it, it's clear that he's probably one of the premier backup quarterbacks in the league right now. Yep, you got that right. So Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, and DeAndre Swift are all going to be likely out for Week 14 at the moment. Um, and I think we did. I, did we talk about Adam Thielen and Dale, Delvin Cook? No. Yeah, I don't know why I skipped the first thing on the list. Not good at lists, apparently. Mental health. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Adam Thielen for tomorrow night has been declared out already. Delvin Cook is questionable at the moment, but it seems like he's probably not going to play. It's a Thursday night game, so you'll have plenty of time to make other arrangements on your team, but you have to be paying attention. Remember, inactives on games always come out about an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff. Tomorrow night's kickoff is at 7.15 or so, uh, 7.20 p.m. Central Time. So, you know, just after 6 o'clock Central, they'll be releasing the inactives. If Dalvin Cook is playing, I think you've got to start him. If he's not playing, definitely if you have Alvin uh, Alexander Madison, you start him. But um, definitely no Thielen. I don't really – I don't even remember. Who are the backup wide receivers that people are looking at? K.J. Hamler and um, I think there was one other guy. But it's going to be like a lot of Justin Jefferson – you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the targets in that game have been uh, have been identified, and uh, there's not really anybody that I think I would want to go after other than the people that we've already talked about. Um, I I do think that uh, that you're you're spot on about the um, uh, about wanting to play Delvin Cook if he if he does go out there. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have, unlike them, given up a lot of yards to running backs this year. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the seventh most in the league. That's 20.4 points per game due to a lot of reasons. But uh, I think that it would be more likely there's a split situation. So you could, you could possibly play both of those running backs and expect to get a lot of points in this particular game. I don't think it will be difficult for uh, the Vikings to be able to move the ball a bit. But you have to remember, here's a team that tied the Lions versus a team that lost to the Lions. <laughs> there you have it, folks. What, what a storyline for tomorrow night. You need to mention that. So you're going to be at the game tomorrow. You need to mention that to everybody you talk to. I, I'm sure it'll come up in conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm most interested in the cocktails and... Uh, uh, you know, fantasy numbers. So guys like Je Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, uh, and then uh, Kirk Cousins and to a lesser degree, Ben Roethlisberger and Pat Fryermuth should all have good games tomorrow. Yeah, I would, you know, I, I, we'll talk about Chase Claypool later, but 
you know, Minnesota Vikings are giving up the second most points to opposing wide receivers. So, you know, I think that there's room for two wide receivers. Yeah, it's just that Claypool's had a bad case of turf toe uh, yeah. for the for the second half of the season. So I don't I don't think he's going in anybody's like golden lined boxes right now. But you're 100 percent right. He's going to be involved. And then, the uh, interestingly, the Steelers are giving up the ninth most points to opposing running backs and to opposing wide receivers. So some consistency there, even if it's not great consistency. I guess our numbers are different. I'm, I'm in Fantasy Pro's uh, running back points against, which is the seventh most. Oh, well, that's worse. I look at I, – I, I like the Yahoo chart, and I believe that's half PPR. Yeah, so is this one. And so. they rank – well, we can go over the differences – Offline, I well, suppose. wherever you are, and this is a good lesson for anybody, uh, if you haven't already learned it, is that any site that you're going to that professes to have the numbers that you're looking for, uh, you may want to get a second opinion. Um, know that all things are originally generated or queried by humans, and they can be flawed. Totally. Great example of that was on Monday when I was writing my column, uh, Statistically Insignificant. I was talking about George Kittle, who had an amazing week last week. And I look up his stats on Flea Flicker, as I normally do. That's the place I start, because that's where all of our leagues are. He had 174 receiving yards. I'm like, oh, wow, that's impressive. And every other place I looked, he had 181 receiving yards. Yeah. And Flea Flicker changed it, like, as I was writing the thing. So, so the, I mean, I think they get their, their scores from Stats Incorporated or from one of those websites. Right. And there's a couple of them. Yeah, and it's probably just a data feed uh, like that they all just use to uh, populate... Um, all of their websites, you know. Um, but that being said, sometimes it's not updated right away. Who knows? Yep. So you always want to get a second opinion if you're going to be, say, publishing a stat. Yep. All right. Um, David Montgomery listed as did not play uh, with shoulder, groin, glute injuries. Did not practice. Sure. He didn't play in practice. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, uh, that's a, you know, a laundry list of injuries. That was not listed at the end of the game, I believe. And then Justin Fields is going to be playing on Sunday night against the Packers. I'm not sure if it's the fact that Justin Fields is fully healthy or the fact that Andy Dalton has a hand injury. Uh, As usual, the Bears aren't going to tell us very much about what's going on. They're just going to go out there and stink. Yeah, it's actually uh, did not participate in practice. Uh, So it should be like DNPP, I guess. Uh, But they didn't like that acronym. Uh, but the reason I think that that is a, an important thing to, to notice is because, uh, as we've seen in the past, there are backups to the Chicago Bears running back that are extremely viable in fantasy if they're the ones playing. And uh, Khal- uh, Khalil Herbert. Herbert, yeah, it was very impressive over a couple games this year. In particular, yeah. So another one to watch if we're talking about possible injuries that can affect uh, fantasy production and possibly elevate other players that would normally be backup players to a startable roster, then Khalil Herbert's definitely one of those. As always, every single week in the NFL, beyond maybe week one and two, and sometimes even those, are filled with uh, last-minute injuries, illnesses, and things of that ilk uh, that will present players' opportunities to be able to put up a lot of fantasy points. Well put. So in the same game, Aaron Rodgers is dealing with a toe injury, but I don't see any... You know, of Doctor Strange's 14 million scenarios where Aaron Rodgers doesn't play. Nope. 
Um, no, he's going to own the Bears out there. Uh, so Yes, he does own the Bears. That's happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, Melvin Gordon practiced today, so it sounds like the Broncos' backfield will go back to a split situation, but I suspect it's going to favor Javante Williams going forward, if they're smart anyways, because Javante has been very impressive the last two weeks. He had 29 carries, or not carries, but touches, catches and carries for like 176 yards and a touchdown last week was the number one scoring running back. We will talk about him some more later as well. And Tyrod Taylor was benched in the second half last week. It's possible, in my opinion, that he doesn't start again this year. It seems like they may try to go with Davis Mills and see what they got there, try to get him some consistent uh, workload there and see if they've got anything in him. The guy did play well against the Patriots, uh, and that's not you know something to just write off as a fluke. He'll be a quarterback in the league uh, and continue to be, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see him on Houston for the rest of the year. Tyrod, you mean? Who are you, who are you talking about? Well, I, I was talking about Davis Mills as well. Oh yeah, your original thought. Sure. Yes. Okay. But uh, but Mills is is uh, is not like an outstanding athlete for us to uh, mill over. Uh, well put. Let's have a drink. <laughs> okay. Need some volume there. You got it. All right. Scotch, scotch, scotch. I love scotch. I like putting regression toward the mean in a song. <laughs> and uh, it, it tends to happen if, if you look for long enough, especially with a lot of these fantasy players. And uh, perhaps we'll talk about some of that this uh, this segment. All right. So at the player trends, we like to look at the player trends um, to see if they're trending up or down over the last three weeks, possibly longer. Uh, but at least three weeks. So we try to look at them and identify whether the player is on the right or the wrong track or if they're going to be turning things around. So if they're on the right, you know, if they've been doing well, but we think that it's a fluke or if they're doing poorly, we think they'll be able to turn it around. So Matt Stafford, the quarterback for the Rams, week 10 at San Francisco, he put up 11.82. Week 12 at Green Bay, 22.98. And week 13 versus Jacksonville, 24 points. So uh, you can actually follow along or check on this later. Uh, this is all posted on our website, drink5.com, you know, if you want to just kind of have the data uh, to refer back to. So Stafford did have a rough, rough stretch this year. Weeks 9 and 10, he only had one touchdown and two interceptions each game. He actually had um, two pick sixes uh, in those two games. Well, one in each game. And he had his two lowest fantasy point totals of the season. That was weeks 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. So the Rams had a bye week for week 11, and it seems like he kind of worked some things out. He's done much better in week 12 and 13. He threw three touchdowns in each game. So I feel like he's uh, improved. They figured a few things out with the Rams. Uh, he's gotten a lot more used to having Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham to throw the ball to, uh, in addition to, obviously, Cooper Cup. And it seems like the loss of Daryl Henderson hasn't affected at least Stafford's performance very much. So we'll see what happens with Henderson. As always, just pay attention to whether or not players practice or not. seems like he may be sitting another week. 
which means that if you roll Bastoni Michelle, it could be a decent start this week. However, the tough part about the Rams this week is that they play the Cardinals. So the Cardinals are um, a very good defense. I would be very cautious bordering on, you know, just avoiding Matt Stafford and some of the Cardinals anyways. Uh, I'm sorry, some of the Rams and starting them against the Cardinals, especially if you have to win this week to make the playoffs. If you need to win and get in, I would avoid Stafford and I would avoid the lesser Rams. You know, Cooper Cup might be the only one who I would say is a must start, obviously depending on your roster. So you hold on to all those guys because what you've got after that is a very nice schedule. They're playing Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore. All of them are in the top half of giving up uh, fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, uh, which would also lend itself to lots of points to opposing wide receivers as well. But we're talking about the quarterback here. So, Dave, I asked you earlier about Matt Stafford versus Taysom Hill. Um, would you even put Matt Stafford in the top 10 quarterbacks this week? Did you, I should say, because you do have rankings available to everyone. Uh, on our website, on drink5.com, you are one of the Fantasy Pros experts. So when you go to Fantasy Pros and look at that expert consensus rankings, one of the experts is, you know, Dave's rankings. Uh, yeah, so he's he's number 10 in the rankings right below Taysom Hill. We were talking about Taysom versus Matthew Stafford okay. earlier. And uh, say what you want about the Cardinals defense, which is good. But uh, Stafford is no stranger to doing well in circumstances that would usually belie, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the fantasy production that you're talking about from from players like that. So uh, he, as long as he has uh, his wide receivers healthy, um, which he currently does, yeah, I, I don't really see a reason why they can't move the ball. They they have been one of the best offenses this year. Um, there was a slowdown period. And we've talked about this before where, like, in Major League Baseball or NBA or the NHL, they have a lot of games uh, with which to change their momentum. Absolutely. It doesn't happen as often in the NFL where some team will fall off and then come back again towards the end of the season. But it seems to me that that's what's happening here. They certainly have to push uh, to to make it towards the end. Uh, and I think they'll be playing balls out uh, against the Cardinals. So I still like him as a top 10 back uh, quarterback. Okay, so but, he does have the third highest uh, point total this year against the Cardinals in his game against them back in Week Four. Yeah, and, and uh, because they're playing, they're playing uh, two each each season. Right, division division rivals. Uh, Stafford is not as immediately familiar, but uh, but the coaching staff is. Um, Regardless, I, I think it's a risky play, and so the points you make are good ones. And if you have a, another option that you could use instead of the 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 very uh, staunt uh, uh, Arizona Cardinals defense, then you should. Yeah. So Javante Williams, running back for Denver, week ten against Philadelphia, he had five point nine points. Week twelve against the Chargers, he had eighteen point six. Um, week thirteen at Kansas City, just last week. 26.8 points. So he's been one of the most talked about rookie running backs this season. And I think it's due to the fact that he is a really great, like after contact kind of runner. He seems to break a lot of tackles. He seems to, you know, be very kind of very hard to take down. And that's always a guy that winds up looking really good on highlight reels. So I think that's why he's had a lot of talk about him so far. So his best two fantasy weeks have been since the Broncos by in week 11, Melvin Gordon uh, was out last week. He didn't even start. And I think he probably missed some time in Week 12, leading to more work for 
for Williams during that game. But like I said earlier, he had 29 touches last week, 178 yards, uh, six catches, and uh, scored a touchdown. He was the top running back last week. So uh, coming up, they will be getting Gordon back. So like I said, they're going to be splitting again. But three of the next four matchups for the Broncos are going against teams giving up top six points to opposing running backs. That's just, you know, you can't ask for a better schedule than that. So if people dropped Melvin Gordon, it may be a good idea to pick him up as a sort of um, stash for the playoffs because he has such good uh, matchups in, you know, in the off chance that something happens to Javante or the split winds up going Gordon's way. So, uh, you know, regardless, Williams on a proper trend up, and I think he'll wind up being a high uh, draft pick next year, first, second round if people are going running back heavy. I know you're excited about Williams, and you should be. Uh, he, he played really well, obviously. Uh, I have him ranked as number four so far this week, but with the news about Melvin Gordon, he'll go down as, as Gordon will be added back to the rankings. Uh, they, yeah. did, they did play against the Los Angeles Chargers, which are, is the third worst uh, defense against running backs yeah. is one of those games. And the second team was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, which is the 13th worst uh, uh, worst running back defense. And then, uh, like you said, they're going to be playing some porous defenses over the coming games, but they'll have both of them uh, of those backs together again in the backfield. Uh, so tempering expectations would be a good thing, but I think that most of the uh, of the experts in the field right now are are looking at Williams as a uh, top 10 back for the next three weeks until he proves otherwise. I like the sound of that. I drafted him in Dynasty, so give me all the Javante Williams. Yeah, I mean, I'll move him down from four, but but maybe to like seven. Yeah, I was going to say his ECR is eight, <laughs> yeah. so he's still being, you know, pretty much thought of as a top ten back at the moment. That, James, that will go down. ECR is a lagging indicator. That's true. It, it'll probably drop out of the top ten with Gordon's news, but uh, but I, I think he's a top ten back until he proves otherwise. That's the way I like to look at those things. Business, remember, it's predictions and not rankings based on uh previous performance yeah because that would just be reactions and not Mm -hmm. predictions so if you have williams you're obviously putting him in your lineup unless unless your lineup looks like uh alvin Kamara and austin eckler (laughs) and then you're winning the championship so yeah that's a nice place to be (laughs) so james robinson running back for jacksonville week 11 put up 10.8 points week 12 11 points but then in week 13 uh against the rams only two points so not an exact trend as we like to look at it however it's pretty clear that his production has been sliding downward after a really nice stretch he had earlier in the season so last week he only had nine touches in a game that was a blowout but he should have had more work um it appears that he might be in the doghouse with the coach because there were per there were reports during the game that Carlos Hyde was trying to come out and needed a breather, and they did not put Robinson in in favor, you know, for Hyde. Um, so I think it was the, the third running back who got the work instead. So Robinson's got a really rough matchup this week against Tennessee. They're good against the running back. I would certainly recommend sitting him for one more week to avoid the bad matchup and to kind of just see where he's at as far as between him and uh, his coach, Urban Meyer. It may be nothing. It may be overblown. It may be something that, you know, the media just tries to latch onto to get clicks. But, you know, um, coaches play favorites all the time. And it could be that James Robinson is no longer uh, a coach's favorite in any way, shape, or form. 
So uh, starting in week 15 and 16, I believe he has better matchups, but then he faces the Patriots again in the fantasy championship week 17. So James Robinson, not someone you can count on for the rest of the year, in my opinion. Well, because of the Jaguars' offense in general, and Urban Meyer uh, may have some mental illness uh, uh, issues that he needs to deal with. Sure, we he, should examine that on a podcast. He is he has not been uh, uh, not been up to snuff as far as coaches go, especially first year NFL coaches. He is certainly playing like a first year NFL coach. I that, heard that Urban Meyer picks his onions out of his chili. <laughs> that will not be a second year NFL coach. Okay. Is all I'm saying. Uh, but uh, James Robinson got, uh, I think, three of his eight carries in the last two minutes in that game, which doesn't sound like uh, a situational football uh, uh, of uh, someone who's in the doghouse. And uh, he had a fumble earlier in the game, which could be exactly what Urban Meyer was just trying to kind of slap him on the wrist Sure, for. but Carlos Hyde also fumbled the ball. That's that's great. <laughs> I, I think Jacksonville has a lot more going on than uh, than which running back to choose, but I think that Urban Meyer has already said that uh, he thinks Robinson is the most talented back that's currently on the roster. So it would be silly of him to shoot himself in the foot uh, and not play the guys that could get him to have more wins. I mean, that's the same kind of decision making that would lead you to like get your ass kicked in Cincinnati and then go out to the bar with all the college girls instead of going home with your wife. I, I think that has no bearing on anything. It's funny. It's funny. But, it's just poor decision making, I think. But but I have Robinson as the 19th uh, overall running back, and uh, the guy's talented. The problem is the uh, organization and the in the offense right now. Okay, so Russell Gage, uh, the wide receiver in Atlanta, week 11 versus New England, 7.4 points. Week 12 at Jacksonville, 15.2, and week 13 versus Tampa Bay, 16.5. So. Since Calvin Ridley's been out, the Falcons' passing game has been sort of meandering and very unfocused, but it seems that they finally have someone as the top target, and that's Russell Gage. He has 22 receptions in the last three games. That's 27 targets over that time. He only had 26 targets in the other five games he played this year. So anyone getting nine targets per week over the last three weeks at the moment is going to definitely be on everyone's radar. And he scored either a touchdown or has gone over 100 yards in the last two weeks. So definitely lots of work and the production to go along with it. So he should continue to get peppered with targets. His opposing defenses are forced to focus on Cordrell Patterson and Kyle Pitts. I like where Gage is going. I think that he was probably going to be one of the hottest waiver pickups this week if he was still available in your league. So, um, you know, you could go forward with Russell Gage in a position where maybe you're losing uh, a Mike Williams and a Keenan Allen. I think Gage is fool's gold that will lose people their spot in the playoffs. Interesting. Would you care to elaborate on that? Not really. I, I think the, the Atlanta Falcons are a bad football team that are, are just throwing things up into the air to see if they work. Uh, and the rest of the NFL, having seen that Gage is getting targets, will simply double cover him, uh, creating a, an environment in which there are no wide receivers to pass the ball to. Kyle Pitts uh, has been demonstrated on, on Twitter and in other sources uh, that he has gotten open, but Matt Ryan is unable to see him and unable to pass him the ball. Interesting. So they play Carolina this week, um, which is an okay matchup. 
Then they play San Francisco and Detroit. Better matchups. They do finish the season against Buffalo. I would not want to count on him in Week 17 for sure. And our final trending player is Chase Claypool, wide receiver in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) We're not in Pittsburgh, by the way. Uh, Week 11 at Los Angeles Chargers. He scored 11.9. Week 12 at Cincinnati. He scored 9.7. Last week against Baltimore, he scored 6.4. So it's possible that this is just him being banged up, like you said earlier, and the rumors are that he's got, uh, you know, uh, not a minor foot injury. So you say turf toe? Was that right? Yeah, it's not a rumor. Uh, He's been saying that uh, uh, for the last two or three weeks that he's been dealing with a bad case of turf toe. Okay. Uh, He was tackled with his toe flexed, and it got crushed. Uh, And so, like, he's simply unable to be uh, his usual self. Okay. So, he, you know, regardless of his injury, I Doesn't mean he can't catch the ball. Yeah, he's not had a very good season. He's only gone over 100 yards and scored one touchdown this year, um, and that was in the same game. He only has two other games with double-digit points. Um, so Claypool's targets have gone from nine to eight to three over the last three weeks. Last week, he only played 63% of offensive snaps. That was his lowest total since week five and his second lowest total for the season. Um, so he only has 10 receptions and three rushes for those three rushes turned into three yards over the last three weeks. So he's not getting the work you want to see from a guy who was drafted as kind of a WR three. He was a 26 wide receiver taken overall. Um, so he has a great matchup over the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be hard to keep him on your bench. Um, but if the injury is as bad as you say it is, um, is or it as bad as, as he says heard, it is. Is, okay. It's, it, you're not the doctor and I don't want to pass you off as the doctor. No, I apologize. No, sir. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's, you know, with those great matchups, it's tough to keep him on the bench because it's not like the wide, re- the wide receivers are very deep in Pittsburgh. Like Deontay Johnson, spectacular. James Washington is a huge drop off from those guys. Uh, Washington isn't getting the targets because the, the, that offense is Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and Deontay Johnson with uh, Claypool sprinkled in um, and, and dropping. Right. But Washington uh, has been catching things that were thrown to him. He's just not being involved in the offensive scheme right now. Um, regardless, what you're saying is correct. I just can't start Claypool under any circumstances because he has what he has said himself to be a bad injury, and that's clear by his numbers and by the way that uh, that Roethlisberger is uh, is favoring the other wide receivers and other pass catchers on the team. I simply don't want to involve him in my fantasy team. Okay, so then I suppose that um, the advice that we would arrive at is that despite the great matchups, you need to not... Uh, buy into that and you need to keep him on the bench yeah i i think which in his recent performance basically you know backs that up i think he's playing uh diversion football uh and not getting a lot of separation and uh he has gotten passes and targets in the in the offense but that is not who ben is favoring right now okay and that's clear based on your research oh yeah definitely he's not getting the ball very much anymore I might be starting Claypool on one of my many leagues. Uh, it he, all depends on your bench. Matchup, matchup is good, just like you said. Yeah, but it's a dart throw at this point, based on his previous performance. It's not someone you have to insert. If you have other options, you need to seriously consider them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Indeed. Cheers, buddy. Good trends, bad trends. You know, they're they're all types. They're all trends. <laughs> 
That is a strong mirror. have a, uh, a commenter in the chat room who, who just wanted to tell us that in Ohio, they they put cinnamon in their chili. They also serve their chili on top of noodles. Uh, well, I actually I actually like... Uh, Do you like Skyline chili? Chili three-way, chili four-way. They serve it at Steak and Shake, which is yeah. in the in the Midwest as well. Um, yeah, I like, I like uh, shells and cheese or spaghetti or whatever with also chili in it. It's not that different from like a tomato sauce, really. No, I mean, it's really like a tomato sauce with... Tons of different spices and, you know, lots of meats and veggies. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I suppose um, uh, to an Italian, for example, that could be like the worst form of bastardization. Or ever. a Texan. An Italian or a Texan. Well, I think Texans probably take their ch- chili more seriously than others. That's that's on the Texans. <laughs> in, in my opinion, if, if there's no beans in the chili, then it's not as good... I don't like the uh, the meat only uh, Texan chili. I I don't have a problem with it, but I, I do like chili with beans in it. Yeah, I gotta get those beans, man. Yep. So as Jason mentioned earlier, we're gonna talk about uh, playoff stashes at weak positions. I identify weak positions as the tight end, kicker, and defense special teams slots on your roster. And what I mean by weak is not that they couldn't win in an arm wrestling contest with another position, because some of these guys are, you know, built really thick. And, uh, and I think that the tight ends could beat the kickers at arm wrestling. Well, I'm not talking about. <laughs> A lot of defensive and tight end players can can um, they can they can up the quality of the arm wrestling. Do you think that quarterbacks would secretly be really good at it because they have strong arms? I think that quarterbacks probably have strong forearms. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a quarterback. It's been a long time since I've thrown a football. <laughs> I'm not really sure what muscles that works anymore. Oh goodness! So. Uh, point being, uh, when I say weaker positions, I just mean those that have less depth to them. So uh, the tight ends, for example, we've talked about this throughout the season. And in many other seasons, you have a, uh, a tight end that's between like maybe 1 and 5 or 1 and 8. Uh, some seasons it's 1 and 10. But certainly after the uh, 8, 9, or 10 ranking on the, on the tight ends, when you start to get to those lower caliber players that are used less often in the offense, then they certainly could be considered weaker uh, as far as the depth of those positions than the points that are given um, over the value of replacement player in quarterback, uh, running back, or wide receivers. And the same is true for, yeah. for the other positions uh, as well. When we're talking about, uh, about teams that have kickers that are doing really well because of the fact that they score a lot of points... Uh, on the regular, so mm-hmm. like uh, the kicker for the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the kicker for the New England Patriots. Uh, I think that's Prater and Folk. Yeah, Folk um, on the Patriots. Uh, the kicker for the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, uh, who is suck up, I believe. <laughs> yeah. So those are the kind of guys that you're not going to find on the waiver wire unless it's their bye week. And sometimes people will even just stash them on their roster because uh, Justin if, Tucker is kind of a bye week stash. Tucker usually. is. Tucker's always just the guy, you know, Uh, especially on a team like the Ravens, who this year can't seem to get the ball in the end zone. It's true. (laughs) 
That only helps. They get them. the ball to like the thirty yard line and like, oh, that's far enough. Bring Justin in. Yeah, and and for defense special teams, you generally want a uh, a DST that's going to be able to get a lot of sacks or that forces a lot of turnovers, and those tend to be the same teams, regardless of who it is that they're facing. They have a really good pass rush. The Patriots. Or they have uh, uh, guys that are just good ball punchers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so you have that list of like 10 or 12 or whatever, uh, and then after that it starts to cut off. So what I wanted to bring up were those guys that you may want to stash now because they're not as uh, well-owned or because they have a buy, or because people are overlooking them based on their current matchups, that will be good for you in weeks 15, 16, and or 17, uh, which are right now the league, uh, the weeks that are designated and set aside in most leagues as the playoffs. Yeah. So let's talk about tight ends. I have just a couple guys that I like their matchups. Noah Fant is 86% owned. So he's a guy that was drafted in that upper echelon, uh, certainly... Uh, in the top 10 tight ends uh, for the year. And he is uh, um, um, on the, uh, uh, the, what was I going to say? Oh, so so he is playing Cincinnati uh, in week 15, who has given up the 14th most points to uh, opposing tight ends. But uh, what we're looking at with Fent is week 16, week 17. So, okay. So we've got uh, him playing versus Las Vegas in Week 16, which is the the team giving up the most points to the tight end position at 12.4 per game. And then in Week six, or sorry, Week 17, I'm going to get confused with this a bunch. Uh, yeah, I was like, why isn't it the playoffs already? And then, <laughs> and then Week 17, yeah, you woke up and you're like, I don't see the playoff standings. Right? Yeah, what's going on? In Week 17, he goes up against the Chargers, who are the sixth most points. Uh, uh, giving up to their opposing tight ends at 9.7. So uh, both top six uh, teams giving up lots of points to the tight end position in weeks 16 and 17 for no effect. Now he is 86% owned, uh, so it might not be possible for you to pick him up in your league. Yeah. Here's another option with CJ Uzoma, 44% owned. So he's available in most leagues. Uh, I know he certainly is in, in some of the leagues that we're in. Sure. Uh, he's going up against Denver in week 15. So, again, both of those guys are guys to pick up now, uh, slot onto your roster in an open position or a position where you're rostering a handcuff, uh, and then use when you get into that second week of the playoffs. So, for this guy, he's playing Baltimore, who are giving up 9.1 fantasy points to the tight end position, which is the eighth most at that position in week 16. In week 17, he's playing Kansas City, who gives up the seventh most in 9.3 fantasy points. So, both guys are, are good options if you currently don't like your tight end, or if you think that the tight end that you have has uh, incredibly bad matchups for the playoff weeks. Uh, so... Um... Oh, sorry. Did you have more on the tight ends? Nope. Do you have any comments on those? Uh, no, I, I like where you're going with those matchups. Uh, I definitely like to look at points against, and certainly when I'm looking at mm. what's going on in the future weeks, that's maybe the major, um, you know, the major consideration for me. So um, I just wanted to address a question from the chat room before we jump on, jump over to kickers. Um, let me just read the question. Should we temper our expectations for Alvin Kamara's return against the Jets with Taysom Hill at the wheel? That's Anthony in the chat room. Uh, thanks for the question, Anthony. We uh, talked about this a little bit at the top of the show. 
I would say that uh, you're going to want to be full speed ahead with Alvin Kamara because the Jets give up so much to opposing running backs. And Mark Ingram is on the COVID list at the moment. So if he is um, not going to play, then there's no one else but Kamara. So even if Kamara isn't 100%, he's going to get 90% of the snaps and the carries. Um, So that's, you know... That's what you got there. And uh, Easy10K asked, do we critique uh, high school football players? And uh, I'd critique them uh, plenty, but I don't know any of them, and I don't follow them at all, and um, I don't get that deep. uh... (laughs) I I, I need to do other things in my life other than football. No, come on. I mean, so so, uh, Debbie leagues are very interesting where you're taking players that are in college, putting them on your roster on a taxi squad, and then you're able to put them in there. Some Debbie leagues even go to high school uh, uh, for those players. You can draft them super early, keep them on your squad, and no one else can touch them uh, for those time periods. But like Jason said, we're not going to get into that. Yeah, Uh, we have a rookie expert. Uh, who takes care of all the college stuff for us. <laughs> My critique of, of high school football players is simply that they're not as good as the NFL players. Oh, so that's if they could bold. Just, if they could just get bold a little, assumption, Dave. If they could just get a little better, I would pay more attention to them. <laughs> uh, Thank you for the questions, though, guys. We like having an uh, active uh, chat room. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the reason why the question comes up with Kamara is because when Taysom Hill was, uh, was the quarterback previously, there were a lot of games where Kamara was not scoring very many points. Uh, I think they've built a little bit more chemistry, um, and yes. I think that we should see um, the the offensive play calling be very heavy, uh, not only for the, um, uh, the 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 calls that Taysom Hill may run from scrimmage, but also for strictly for uh, Alvin Kamara run plays. So it, I may be wrong, but I believe that that crazy game that Alvin Kamara had last year. Um, was a game, and I'm I'm checking it now. Was a game that Taysom Hill did start. Yeah, I mean there was a trend for a while that that was totally the case. That I can understand uh, having a. Little oh no, bit there was a guy named Drew Brees. I don't know who that is. Who played? Uh, uh, was he a high school bad. football player? He was. A, he was once upon a time <laughs> before he owned, like before we went to high school. Before he owned a Jimmy John's franchise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for the questions. Uh, kickers, I'm going to go over just a couple. Robbie Gold is 58% owned. All these kickers are usually going to be uh, available in your leagues. Uh, he's going to play against Atlanta in week 15. Uh, they are 21st. Uh, um, uh, I, I have For such, points against. I have such trouble with this because it's such a weirdly phrased thing. It, it's not the easiest. It's fantasy points against. Um, so if you just want to keep running off the stats yeah, I'm in the a- place, and you don't have to repeat the phrase every time. I, I'm aware. It's okay. a 21st uh, against uh, opposing kickers, and that's 7.4 per game. But week 16, he's going up against Tennessee, who is the ninth uh, with 8.8, and Houston at 14th, 8.5. Uh, San Francisco is a, one of the more high-octane offenses after they've kind of gotten it together in the last several weeks. Uh, with Elijah Mitchell and uh, and all the rest of the offense. But he's not my favorite. So my favorite uh, that I wanted to point out was Jason Sanders, of course, of the Miami Dolphins. 52% owned, so he's available a lot of places, but he's on a bye week. Another guy that you can scoop up, put on your roster, and let him sit there. Um, uh, so you're not going to be able to play him this week, but 
Uh, he goes up against the Jets in Week 15. Who, okay. Who's giving up the most points to opposing kickers at 10.8. That's far less awkward. Then the Saints, uh, the sixth most at 9.1. And Tennessee, the ninth most at 8.8. What's far less awkward? Saying that they give up the most points to opposing kickers. Oh, okay. Uh, and Brandon McManus, who's 25% owned, uh, he has a, a horrible matchup against the um, uh, against the Indianapolis Colts uh, for Week 15, who are giving up 5.2 points to opposing kickers. But much better matchups in 16 and 17. Las Vegas, the 12th most, and the Chargers, the 11th most. So... There, there is a, a couple of guys that you could pick up. Now, I know that a lot of people don't don't care as much uh, about kickers, but my opinion is if they are a roster spot on your team, you should care about them unless you don't care about your team. That's true. I mean, it's like... Uh... And I recommend Jason Sanders to everybody that is able to pick him up, put him on your roster, because he's playing against uh, uh, three teams that are in the top ten most points given up to that position. Which basically just means uh, that the teams playing against them are able to drive down the field a lot. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, you have to care about kickers because they're on your team. You don't have to care about them in real life. You have to care about them in fantasy. (laughs) You're so angry with kickers. I just, you know... I would phase them out of fantasy football eventually Yes, well, if that, it was a popular thing. They're a valuable and time-consuming part of the regular NFL football game. Right. So to just not include them in the fantasy world seems suspect at best. <laughs> uh, so we got another question. Uh, do we think that Derrick Henry is going to come back better and stronger next year? Um, I think if anybody can do that, it would be him. But uh, better and stronger? No. Um, he'll, he'll be older. And, you know, a tiny bit slower. But uh, he'll probably still be a first-round pick, and he will probably live up to that uh, billing for most of the year, provided he stays healthy. And this is the first time, really, in his entire career that he's been out with injury. He's going to be 28 years old next year, and he should be uh, he should be about the same. Right. I, I don't. He's think, not going to be better and stronger. I don't think better and stronger. Right. You know, <laughs> he's got he's got more rest, which is great, and that should help him. But he's not. He can't really get better than what he was. He was the best. Uh, maybe what what we have to talk about is is the problem that comes from teams exploring their talent within games on, in the regular season. So when you have uh, Deonta Foreman. Uh, and uh, other running backs that are doing well on the Titans. Uh, and they have Darrington Evans, who's on IR, who's also proved himself to be a good running back. You may have four running backs that come back next year, and they may decide to turn to something that doesn't depend completely on Derrick Henry because of what it did to their team in this particular season. So he may come back better and stronger, but to a role where he's getting less snaps. I mean... I can't imagine that it would be too many less. I they, they I mean, if you have Derrick Henry, you you ride Derrick Henry until he snaps, which apparently happened fairly early in the season. That's how all teams work, though. Okay, they, they ride their best players until they break. I'm simply suggesting that some teams like to to put on a running back by committee, 
which is something that is adopted by more and more teams. Yeah, but I think that that is generally the result of not having one super dominant player. Well, we're also rooting for uh, teams to not do that. Absolutely. And so I'm just saying one situation. <laughs> we're biased, for one, sure. One situation that could happen, which people would not be happy about, but is definitely a situation that could happen. Uh, let's talk about defenses. So normally I would recommend playing against the Texans or the Jaguars in Week 15. They're the top two teams for points against uh, defense special teams positions. But they're playing each other, and I don't really like that. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know who's going to come out on top and what's going to occur. I feel like that game just could be sort of a comedy of errors. Or it could be a very low-scoring game. Or it could be a very high-scoring game. And I don't like it. So I'm not recommending either of those guys in this particular uh, a set of weeks for 15, 16, and 17. I want to go over quickly the top 10 teams for the defenses to play against this year. That's Houston number one, Jacksonville number two, Atlanta, Carolina, Baltimore, Denver, the Jets, the Bears, the football team, and the Lions. So out of those guys, the, the ones that are the most surprising to me personally uh, are the Ravens, and the Broncos. I didn't expect them to be number five and six this particular year, uh, but they're having issues with uh, with ball control, with uh, quarterback play, uh, and that that's just something that's going on. So when we know those top 10 teams, it's easy to target a team that simply plays against them. It's better to target uh, teams that are playing against multiple of those. Uh, uh, so uh, I, I would recommend five different teams that you could stash and play throughout the playoffs. One of them is the Saints, 76% owned. Not a good play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 15, but if you were to stash them before then or if you already own them uh, and keep them, they play against Miami in Week 16, uh, putting up the 12th most points uh, against defenses at 7.2, and Carolina is the fourth most points coming from from those guys, 9.2. That's a good matchup. Uh, Miami Dolphins are one of my personal favorites, and I've tried to uh, uh, procure them and put in uh, put in claims for them where I can because in a lot of places they were just dropped this week. Have you held them through the bye week if you had them? I have not had them. Okay. I'm simply saying... Uh, well, I dropped them in one league this week. I'm so saying perhaps to my detriment uh, that I have claims in for them in multiple leagues Okay. because, yes, they're not playing this week, but if you look at their matchups going forward, they're playing the Jets... Uh, in week 15, uh, giving up 8.3 points, the sixth most. The Saints right now, uh, 14th, giving up 6.7. And Tennessee, who's the 17th, giving up 6.4. But the most important thing about the Dolphins is that they have played lights out over the past couple weeks. There uh, is a, a defensive pass rusher that I forget his name, who's just been amazing, uh, picking up sacks like nobody's business. And the Dolphins, by by all accounts, are one of the best defenses over the past couple weeks in the NFL. One thing I like about those matchups, New Orleans, Tennessee, both of those teams have started giving up lots of turnovers lately. Yeah, You've got Taysom Hill throwing the ball to the other team. You've got Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball to the other team. So if that doesn't get fixed in weeks 16 and 17, then that's big points for the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, I, I just like the Dolphins in general. Take a look at their defensive stats over the past couple of weeks, and you'll be surprised that you didn't hang on to them. So so a thing that I had noticed, um, you were talking about the two bad teams playing each other. So back in Week 9, the um, Dolphins played the Texans, and that seemed like a crap fest versus a crap fest. Both defenses scored at least 15 points. Sure, it's too unpredictable for me is all I'm saying. Sure, but, fair enough. But you're right. If you want to start one of those guys, you know, please – 
feel free to put on the wacky suit for that week. For me, it's just about playing against the bad offenses. Well, or or, or specifically turnover prone offenses. I, I don't want for the for the score to go way up or for, for neither team to, to be able to do anything uh, and just have it be a punt game. Um, but to your point, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that they're not going to score points. I'm saying that I don't like it because I don't know how to rank it. Um, so for those guys, uh, I, I, I simply uh, am thrown off by the unpredictability of those games. Uh, other guys I like, Seattle Seahawks are only 28% owned. And it, it makes sense, especially because they're playing the Rams in Week 15. Uh, and the Rams are only allowing 5.7 points to opposing defenses. But then, if you were to to save them for a week on your roster and play them later, the Seahawks play Chicago, who is completely out of sorts, giving up the 8th most points to defenses. And then Detroit, who's giving up the 10th most. So that's two top 10 teams in Weeks 16 and 17. Not a bad gig. And my favorite... Uh, out of all of these is probably the Los Angeles Chargers, who, again, have been stepping up their defensive play, especially uh, this this last week. Um, and Kansas City is the first matchup week 15, but they are a team that you don't necessarily want to play against. It's another case of, of stashing and, and then playing later when week 16 they play against Houston, the number one uh, uh team giving up points to opposing defenses and then denver who's the number seven team you always want to have those two top tens or three top tens that's That's, a great yeah that's a great like bang bang matchup yeah so if you can stash them for a week uh and start them up against houston and denver not a bad deal and then the Bengals, uh who's the only team on this list that has a good matchup in week 15 um, that's a team you could you could merge with one of these other ones for the championship week, assuming you get there. Because the Bengals are only 20% owned. They're almost available everywhere. And they're playing against Denver, who's the uh, the seventh best matchup for defenses, and then Baltimore, who's the fifth best matchup in weeks 15 and 16. Okay. So I, I want you, you all to understand that you can go and look up the teams that are the best from week to week, and you can try to grab them. But you know what's better than doing that is grabbing the team from the next week because no one else is going after them. That's true. You're not going to have competition in trying to uh, to find the Cincinnati Bengals defense because people aren't going to want to play them this week. And that's what you got. So what do you think about, uh, about those guys? And uh, – do you have anyone stashed currently for the playoffs, or have you not really been thinking about that yet? I do have a team stashed for the playoffs. They're called the New England Patriots. So the Patriots... Well, that's just a hold. Right, it's a hold, but it's, you know, I, I didn't have to pick them up because I was using them. Um, but yeah, like, uh, they're on bye this week, I believe. And so, you know, I'm holding them through the bye in order to play them in the playoffs. Um, but otherwise, in my other leagues, no, I have not done that yet. I am just... Um, just planning for this week, but I definitely look look forward to it. And the player, the teams that I did uh, go to pick up this week, um, I, I did kind of like look just to see if they were a, a viable um, hold. The Pats so are ninety percent owned, even though they're in a buy. So it's yeah, not, not yeah. I think most people were going to hold on to them. Yeah, exactly. So like, I picked up the Tennessee <laughs> Titans to play this week because they play Jacksonville. Um, 
and then they play Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Miami. So not not great matchups going forward. You know, the problem with holding on to New England, and I really hesitated to do it, they play Indianapolis when they come back, so that's a great defense or offense. They play Buffalo after that, and, and you're basically holding on to them to play Jacksonville in Week 17. But they're so good that you kind of think that they're matchup-proof. I mean, they have they had six weeks in a row with at least four, 12 and a half points. That's fine. I but You're talking yourself into some high-octane matchups that might not work out for you. I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. So what I did in my other playoff league, I picked up the Chargers. Yeah, that's a, Chargers are a great... Uh, they play the Giants. They play Kansas City. They play the Giants this week, so good matchup. I, I, I'm in the playoffs there. I don't have to worry about much other than seeding. They play Kansas City, who I am fine with. Uh, you know, it's a Thursday night game. Maybe I'll roll with them anyways. Maybe I'll just stash them on the bench but i love that houston and then denver uh, with the chargers they're probably my favorite of the look look ahead matchups right now yeah i also like the Bengals again because of 15 16 but if you were able yeah, that's nice that's that's like that's the diamond in the rough where it's like you know they're not owned at all you could just go on the waiver wire right now and pick them up as free agents and the Bengals may be a team that comes on strong at the end of the season uh, because, because damn it, the uh, the Ohio teams out of the AFC North actually want to win a division title. <laughs> really, only one of those Ohio teams, but uh, we'll see if that can happen or not. That depends on Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So, uh, you want to trade off some guys on the cut list here? Just go over some people that uh, that you should yeah, not sure. be owning. Yeah, I'll start off. So, on our smoking J cut list, we've got Matt Ryan, who is seventy five percent owned, and I believe. Uh, our ownership stats are coming from Flea Flicker, That's right? That's correct, yeah. Uh, so he has not scored above 12.08 points since week nine. Matt Ryan is basically as bad as Patrick Mahomes right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannehill, I'm not saying drop Patrick Mahomes. No, no, no. Sure. You would stop listening to the podcast immediately, and rightfully so. <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannehill, 83% owned. It's downhill at this point. Um, I don't. Okay, downhill and not Tannehill. Dave wrote these, and it, it, I, I had to read the pun and then explain it to myself, so it's not as funny, uh, but good job. I, I appreciate the effort. I <laughs> I ruined that entire thing for you, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sorry. It's more fun for me this way. <laughs> Carson Wentz, 76% <laughs> owned. He has a bye in week 14. Uh, so he goes up against the Patriots and then, and then, and then the Cardinals. You don't want any part of any of that. No. You know, if you have Jonathan Taylor who carried you so far, he's got really bad matchups. You should probably drop Jonathan Taylor too. No, I'm kidding. Don't drop Jonathan Taylor. That would be a <laughs> terrible move. Um, so two of the best, th- two of the three best teams against fantasy quarterbacks this year. Get rid of that Carson Wentz. You don't want any of that. Go pick up yourself a uh, uh, Taysom Hill. If yeah. it's still available. That's right. I, I doubt it. What what league is going to have Taysom Hill still available? I picked available? him up as a free agent on the wire. But, you know, now that the waivers have gone through this week, I'm sure he's taken. Yeah. Uh, running backs, Kenyon Drake, 71% owned. He's out for the season now with an ankle injury. For those of you who don't know, and apparently that's uh, 71% of you, I'm going to take away an immediate 50% from a, a lot of these uh, long-owned players uh, from, from teams that are just not going to make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and a shame on you for not uh, finishing out the season uh, because – even teams that are not going to make the playoffs in the NFL still try to put up an effort against other teams. They do. Uh, Alex Collins, 45% owned, limited in practice, and certainly limited in fantasy production. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks acquired more help at the running back position because they just didn't have enough 
with uh, with DJ Dallas, with Rashad Penny. They thought with, what we really need is Adrian Peterson. With Alex Collins, with Travis Homer, and Adrian Peterson. So now nobody there is useful at all. Yeah, you get one quarter of no production. Speaking of, Adrian Peterson still owned in 26% of leagues and uh, actually saw some resurgence when he was picked up by the Seahawks as if it was going to be an amazing week for the guy. Well, uh, nice touchdown, Adrian, because you did provide some value, but it was kind of a coin flip situation because his value to the Seahawks organization was 16 yards on 11 attempts. That is awful. And he's a horrible running back that has passed any kind of uh, a prime or choice or, or other grades of mate. That's only 48 feet. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he got a touchdown is wonderful for him, but he's simply not going to provide any other fantasy production this year. Uh, Mark Ingram, 72% owned. He's on the COVID list, and Kamara is back. So no reason to own this guy uh, for the rest of the season. I agree. Devin Singletary is 77% owned, and I actually like Devin Singletary. He is the truth to quite a few people. I was going to ask you if that's the truth. However, there are too many running backs in Buffalo. None of those running backs are consistent enough to start on a regular basis. You know that's... who the best running back in Buffalo is? Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yeah. You have Matt Breda, uh, and you have Zach Moss, and you have occasional other people running the ball, but they're not consistent enough to start on a regular basis. You might have a guy who scores 12 points, 13 points, 14 points. The next week he scores three. That's just how it is for Buffalo running backs. Don't argue with me because I looked at the stats all this afternoon. <laughs> how about wide receivers? So, starting them off, Cortland Sutton, 86% owned. He hasn't had 30 receiving yards uh, in four games in a row now. So uh, Goodbye. I do believe he got some new paper, but it's Jerry that, Judy who's the guy. It's there. not really yeah. translated right now. Uh, Rashad Bateman, fifty-two percent owned. He has only one. He only had one target last week against Pittsburgh. Only sixty yards receiving in the last three games. He was my favorite, like rookie, to kind of sure. explode. And he had a couple of interesting games, but I think this is a next year situation for Rashad Bateman. Lavisca Chenault, sixty-one percent owned, fifty yards or less. Receiving per game since their bye week in week seven, um, I I don't know. I mean, we crapped all over the Jaguars' offense earlier. There's no reason to really be doing anything with the Jaguars' offense in the fantasy football playoffs. We think that, those two things don't go together. We think that Lawrence and Chenault and James Robinson should be good fantasy players. They're talented, but it's not working out right now. Yes, the team is not playing well, and they're not on the cusp of. Anything but more losses. <laughs> yeah. Jarvis Landry, 81% owned. He had a great game against Baltimore before their buy in Week 13. Um, but it was his only... Um, so... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm reading this completely wrong. Well, again... Save me. So, so I did write this down. I don't think Jason read it or anything. I, I personally... I, I did I, not. I was driving people from the airport. <laughs> I, I have a... Uh, a specific delivery. And so what I was going to say is great game against Baltimore before the bye week in week 13. That was his only game that he had without a touchdown uh, besides the other two games where he had touchdowns above 7.5 okay. fantasy I points. I thought that's what you were getting at. So the, the, the concept is... But there was an incomplete sentence. <laughs> the concept is uh, touchdown dependent. Okay, so I took the time to read the rest of them. Kadarius Tony, 46% owned. Uh, he's had injury issues. He's had team issues. They don't have a quarterback right now. 
Um, he hasn't scored above seven and a half points since his breakout in week five. Kadarius Tony, like Rashad Bateman, uh, a very talented rookie who had a lot of promises here. Next year is going to be when they start to break out. And Marvin Jones, 77% owned, hasn't scored above 7.2 points since week six. Uh, he felt like the you know smart veteran uh, choice on that team who could play well. And he, he is a good wide receiver still, but that is a bad offense that you need to avoid. Yeah, you'll notice a lot of the players that are on this list are guys that have scored uh, six points per game on average, seven points per game on average, five points per game on average. None of those scores are enough to warrant rostering a player. Right. Uh, you have to have eight plus and at least be boom or bust uh, to be valuable in a half PPR league. So they're all underneath that line. We can call it the Marvin Jones line if we want. Oh, that's interesting. Well, actually, we shouldn't because uh, it it should be uh, of a player that you actually could play. So maybe the Jarvis Landry line. is <laughs> what, If you have a player worse than Jarvis Landry, get him the heck off your team. Uh, the last uh, category that we have to discuss and guys that you should cut right now, replace with other players that have more... Um, that have more value in the fantasy playoffs and going forward. Uh, tight ends, Logan Thomas, 67% owned. He's out for the season now with his knee injury. They thought he tore his ACL and MCL. Then they came back after the MRI and said, I don't think he tore his ACL and MCL. Maybe he'll be able to play. Then they came back after that and said, but we're still doing surgery, so out for the season. Hunter Henry, 81% owned, and he has a bye week this week, uh, of course, uh, the Patriots are not playing this particular week. He had no targets in Monday night's Winterfest, and that's not that crazy that that was the case because it was just a horrible situation, and Belichick decided to only give Mac Jones uh, you know, the, the wherewithal or the warrant to, to throw like three passes. Yeah. And that's it's understandable because they won on the ground with Ramondi Stevenson and Damian Harris. Uh, the touchdown-dependent Hunter Henry has now gone scoreless in back-to-back -back matches. I don't feel like he's due for any particular reason. Uh, no and, regression to the mean. And so and so for a, a Hunter Henry that only scores points above the tight end average if he scores a touchdown, I think he'll go three games without. And I don't think you need to roster him uh, going forward because you should take someone with a higher level of consistency. Uh, in the actual passing game, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, Jared Cook, 68% owned. He's averaging 5.3 points per game since the buy in week seven. We got to cut him from the roster. And then Gerald Everett, who's 42% owned, but a lot of people still like him because of his place in the beginning of the season where he was supposed to be, uh, you know, the Gerald that was heralded. <laughs> right, uh, scored a whopping negative 1.3 points last week against San Francisco, which is actually worse than a goose egg. We're going to call it a lizard egg. Uh, he scored a lizard egg, Everett. Because it's like soft and just is going to collapse under any sort of pressure. Sure, I didn't really get that far into it, but I like I like okay. what you're saying. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I actually think that a goose egg is kind of like that too. I think I no, saw. I think some... they have a much harder shell. I saw something online about like a about like a duck egg or a goose egg that was like it was soft. Okay. I don't like these soft eggs. No, they're yeah. not good. It's not good. We shouldn't talk about it anymore. Let's stop. <laughs> so, are you are you good on eggs? Yep, I'm done with eggs. And you should be too on your team after cutting those players. Uh, please fill your roster and your startable roster positions with those players that will actually give you fantasy production. 
Okay, so I want to thank everyone for participating in the chat tonight. There was a topic that came up in the chat that we did not address, um, and it's not necessarily fantasy relevant, but I found something cool that I wanted to share. So Easy10K was asking if uh, we thought that Derrick Henry could be a Hall of Famer by the time he retires. Um, and I, I found an interesting thing uh, about uh, monitoring who might go in the Hall of Fame. So Pro Football Reference is one of my favorite websites for pure statistical uh, data when it comes to all the football players. I use it all the time, certainly to reference, like I was saying earlier, uh, when I needed to double check um, George Kittle's yardage, I went to Pro Football Reference, right? So Pro Football Reference has this um, thing called the Pro Football Hall of Fame Monitor. And what they do is they try to assign a value to all Hall of Famers and all active players, really all players, uh, to sort of gauge whether or not they'd be eligible or worthy so to speak, of the Hall of Fame. So the the greatest Hall of Fame uh, player that they have listed at running back is Walter Payton, who his Hall of Fame monitor number was 214. And really you need to have at least like a 100 to get in. So the most recent players that they have listed here are Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore, when you're going to look at a, a Hall of Fame type of uh, career. And, and one of the things I listed was that you're going to have to play for a very long time. So... Um, Derrick Henry has his work cut out for him. His Hall of Fame monitor number is still only 24.48, meaning that um, he would have to uh, basically work that all the way up to 100 in order to have a sort of career that you're looking at um, in order to, you know, be a Hall of Fame caliber player. So well, I'm he's sure, got a long way to go. I'm sure it goes up quickly if you're winning Super Bowls, but that's not really uh, something that Tennessee's in danger of doing. No, I don't even think you have to win Super Bowls. I mean, you know... Walter Payton only won one. Barry Sanders won zero. You know, LaDainian Tomlinson never won one. So those are, you know, three of the top five all-time running backs, according to this list. It, it clearly makes it easier to get into the Hall of Fame if you're on a Super Bowl-winning team. You're right. You're you're absolutely right about that. Don't, don't try to stray away from that, but you're right. Those, those are guys, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson and, uh, and uh, uh, Barry, Barry Sanders, Sanders that, that were good despite their teams. Right, not because of, but in spite of their teams. Absolutely. Uh, so, But your points are valid. The average Hall of Fame running back has a 107 ra- uh, Hall of Fame monitor rating. So we need we need a lot more points uh, to go towards which, the Which Derek translates Henry. to 2,500 career carries, almost 11,000 rushing yards, 86 touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, Derrick Henry has to basically double his career stats just to come close to that and probably needs to accomplish some very big things along the way. And we've seen a lot of noticed. we've seen a lot of running backs that did a lot of damage fantasy uh, and regular NFL relevancy wise who are, probably aren't going to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, like, think about like Christian McCaffrey. Well, who's been the top back for the last 2 or 3 years. Well, McCaffrey could certainly make the Hall of Fame if he continues in his role for another 4 years. I think he would need to go at least 6. His uh, Hall of Fame monitor number is only 21.95. You care way too much about this number that PFF generates. I It's not like that allows them to be voted into the Hall of Fame. No, ballot. it doesn't at all. But I I mean, it's an interesting Hall of Fame statistic. monitor number. Oh, Lord. I'm just talking about guys like Michael Turner, for example, on Atlanta, that were fantasy-relevant for so many years and great on fantasy football teams, but are not guys that will make the Hall of Fame. Michael Turner, 30.58. So so has a better Hall of Fame uh, resume at the moment than a Derrick Henry. According to the Hall of Fame monitor According number? According to his statistics <laughs> across his career. They just look at numbers here. 
Yeah, which well, is one of the reasons why I like this website. But it's mostly not about um, speculating. In this case, it, the Pro Football Reference website is about just keeping stats for all of the players across all years across the whole league. I don't know how I feel about that number. I don't think that number is really that relevant. I just wanted to share this interesting thing I and found. I, and one, I appreciate that. And two, I happen to agree with uh, the relevance in conversation as far as Derrick Henry and the fact that he hasn't done enough. He certainly hasn't done enough to be a Hall of Famer at this point. He would need five more years at the lead the league in rushing and touchdowns because it's not the Hall of the Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame. Exactly. And and although we're in this moment and we are, are witnessing it uh, in first person uh, and we are maybe even winning championships in our fantasy football leagues with guys like Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor, they are by no means uh, a Hall of Fame material in the in the larger span uh, of of the NFL, yeah. The one thing I can tell you about a lot of these guys that means a lot. One thing they were the primary starter on their team for like ten or more years. Yeah. So so that in and of itself means and that Derrick Henry's only been that for three years now. So so grant, four years. Granted, he he has done things that other people haven't done, right? But he hasn't done it for the length of time. Or uh, done it with the amount of Super Bowl rings, or there's there's a number of things that he hasn't done. Correct. And so I agree with you. I just I don't like when when websites just start putting numbers to things that are supposed to mean something because they have. That's like literally what fantasy football is. No, I mean we're talking about <laughs> the the number of like of, of like things that have to happen before you can make it to the Hall of Fame. I, I just think that's that's silly, right? It's not like if you go to all of the Hall of Famers that, that have, have been around that they're going to make it over some threshold. Sure, there's definitely guys here like a Larry Zonka who has way lower stats over his career, but Larry Zonka was part of the undefeated Dolphins team, so he gets a lot of cred for being there. Yeah, so so sometimes uh, the, the short-term events that occur, like Super Bowls or undefeated streaks, etc., can affect someone more. But the fact that the Titans uh, um, have still not reached out and and changed reality in the NFL with Derrick Henry means that he has not he doesn't have that reality distortion field of like a of like a Steve Jobsian level kind of person. Fair enough. You know he's not he's not changing reality to 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 the point that Zonka was apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I I, I kind of dig uh, uh, the fact that you uh, were aware of this, and I like the idea of it. I just, you know, I just don't think that unilaterally someone should make the decision uh, on their site that like this this person is is uh, wor- worthy, worthy or, or unworthy based on the algorithmic. Numbers well, would you that agree we... that Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore are the only people that come to mind who would be worthy of the Hall of Fame at the moment? You mean that haven't made it already? Well, they're not eligible yet because you have to be retired for five years. So, Adrian Peterson, obviously, because he was just incredibly dominated, started for 12 years on the uh, um, Vikings. And um, Frank Gore, because his counting stats are just incredible. For the for the time being, uh, for the time being, I, I agree with you because I don't, I don't have a list of players in front of me or anything. But yeah. LaShawn I, McCoy would be just outside that, in my opinion. I, I I do agree that most of those players that we talk about on a regular basis either uh, got 
injured or were unable to continue in the same capacity uh, or didn't win enough championships or impress uh, through enough individual matchups. I think maybe Marshawn Lynch could be added to that. Uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch is the fourth one then. Yeah, but but I think you're right. Uh, so so from from our perspective, um, those are the guys you know from from like our generation of the last like ten years uh, of of massive amounts of football watching. Those those are the guys that uh, that we've been watching and, and deserve. Yeah, when you look at, and I think basically now uh, you'd have to be above the average Hall of Fame running back to make it in because you know the reason that the average is where it's at is because it takes into account all the guys who made it in back in the day when standards were lower because you know players just hadn't achieved what they have achieved now. There's more games now; people can just count up higher season stats because I mean that happens yeah. everywhere right like the rules change in the MLB or something happens in the NBA I mean hell there's 17 seasons 17 games now Jalen Waddell is in uh excellent shape to break the rookie receiving record he's on pace to break it in 16 games but because there's 17 games he's almost certain to break it well there's an there's an asterisk but then the asterisk disappears in future years it does so <laughs> thanks for humoring me on that uh digression yeah, you're welcome, and uh, thanks for bringing up the conversation out there, Easy 10K. Yeah. So, uh, like we mentioned earlier, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. In the meantime, you can go to drink5.com and check out all the good stuff that we have in order to uh, you know, update you and keep you winning and keep you in the fantasy playoffs. Anything else, Dave? Nope. Cheers, buddy. Good night. Thanks. Thanks.